We're going to talk about the word when today. Not W-I-N, but W-H-E-N. When is a, a very relative question for life. And we hear it all the time. When are you going to get your hair cut? Or you men, when are you going to cut the yard? Or when are you going to fix that thing at home? Or when are you going to do your homework? And some of you upper-level college students are beginning to hear, when are you going to graduate? You know, you hear that uh, occasionally. Well, this morning we're in Acts chapter 24, and it's a great story of a W-H-E-N, a great story about when. My first question, or really my first statement, first thing I want to say to you today that I think is very significant, God is trying to do something in your life. God is absolutely trying to do something in your life. Folks, across our country today, millions and millions of people are in church, and most of them are going to miss this. God wants to speak to you, and God wants you to do something with what he says today. That's it. That ought to be exciting that God's not forgotten you and that God has a word or a message for you. Acts 24, starting in verse 24 through 27. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish. So Jewish just means she was a female Jewish lady. I guess if you're a Baptist and you're a lady, you're a Baptistist, but I've never heard that before. He sent for Paul to listen to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus, as Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid, one of the key concepts here. And he said, that's enough for now. You may leave, you may leave, and when I find it convenient, a second big phrase today, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently, and he talked with him. Verse 27, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Festus. Because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Now, what's the context here? Paul is in prison in Caesarea. I want to show you on a map, just give you a little idea. Caesarea is not too, too far uh, on a map. Maybe, there, there it is. Uh, there is Jerusalem. Caesarea is probably about an hour or so driving from, from Jerusalem. Cindy and I got to go there this, uh, this last November when we were in the Holy Land. It's a beautiful city, a port city. And, and the governor there is this guy named Felix. He's the Roman governor of Judea, this area. And he has Paul here in prison. This is probably about A.D. 57 to 59, 20 years and a few, in a few years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Paul stays in prison here for, for two years. Now, Felix's wife is named Drusilla. And she's got a very interesting bloodline. Her father was Herod Agrippa I. Now, you probably don't know off the top of your head who Herod Agrippa I was. He was the guy who had the disciple James beheaded. Peter, James, and John, Jesus' closest three buddies, uh, James was beheaded. Her dad had that happen. Her great uncle was Herod Antipas, and he had John the Baptist beheaded. There's something in her bloodline about taking people's heads off. Have you noticed that? And her great-granddad was a really bad dude. He was King Herod who tried to kill baby Jesus, who had all the babies in Bethlehem killed right after Jesus was born. So as you can tell, her, uh, her, her heritage was, uh, was sketchy and bad, to say the least. She's Felix's third wife. It's a very interesting group. Now, in verse 24... 
It says, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ. The word spoke there literally means to preach or to persuade. Here's what's going on. Paul is, Paul's not just talking and having a conversation. Paul is preaching to Felix and Drusilla. He is trying to get them to hear and to understand and to act on what God had for them. They're very corrupt people, very bad people, very powerful people. But Paul, it's not Sunday, but Paul went to preaching. He was, he was trying to persuade them to follow Christ. Here's the neat thing this morning. Just like God was wanting to speak through Paul to them, God is wanting to speak through you and me. God has a message, a word that you need to hear. Listen, sit up for the next 20 minutes. It's not hard. And, and here, God has something he wants you to hear and something that he wants you to act on. So here's the second thing this morning. When will we act positively on God's leading? If God's leading, if God has a word for us, when are we going to respond positively? I put positively in there because there's other responses besides acting in a, in a positive way. When you say no, that's a response. When you say, when you say I'll wait, that is a decision or a response. But what I want to ask you this morning, and we're going to go through several things and I'm going to ask you about these several things this morning. When are you, young people, middle-aged people, older people, when are we going to do what God is telling us to do? Number one, when are we going to decide to live rightly? Now, what I'm fixing to say is, is a lot deeper than just those three words. In verse 25, is Paul discoursed on righteousness. If you're taking notes, write this down because this is an extremely important concept. Righteousness here means to conform to the claims of a higher authority. Do you get that? It is to conform your life to the claims of a higher authority. It's to conform your life to God's standards. Felix was a corrupt person. You, you look in verse 26, at the same time, he was hoping Paul would give him a bribe. He was known to want to take bribes. He was, he, he was not a good guy. Drusilla was his third wife, but here's what makes that even messier was that she was married to a king uh, of a small little area, Amisa, and Felix came in and basically stole her away. She got married when she was probably 14. She's 16 when he steals her away. So he's an adulterer. He's a, a wife stealer. He, he's got a lot of issues. A man of greed, a man of politics, a man who did some evil things. He had the high priest. He had assassins kill and murder the high priest Jonathan. In other words... Felix's life was about this. I do what I want to do. My standard is me. I conform to what is best for me and what I think is right. And Paul preached to him and his wife, and he was saying to them, when are you going to conform to God's standards? That's a question for you and me this morning. I mean, maybe you're way out there. That's okay. You're in the right place this morning. You're way out there on the way you're living and the standards you go by. When are you going to make a decision 
that you're going to conform your life, surrender your life to God's standards and God's way. Many of us here are Christians this morning, but the truth is we are our own God. We are our own standard. We do what we want to do, and then we'll find a scripture to try to justify it sometimes. God says, when are you going to conform to my standard? When are are you, when am I going to say, I'm going to do life 100% across the board God's way? When's it going to happen is a question this morning. Here's the second question. When are we going to live with self-control? And I promise you this is a little deeper too than that initial reading. In verse 25, as Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and judgment. What does self-control, that phrase mean there? It means temperance. It means your passions are under control. Felix's name literally meant pleasure. This was a guy of lust and greed. He chased women. He chased money. He could have about anything that he wanted to have. And here's Paul. Man, what courage. Paul looks at them and says, your life needs to be under control. Self-control was not a foreign thing to these people. Aristotle, Plato, the the Greek philosophers all lifted up self-control as a high virtue, as the Jewish people did, as the New Testament does. But you know what? You can talk about something all day long and doing it is another matter, isn't it? See, uh, many of us, we do things today and we make excuses for it. Dr. Carl Menninger was a psychiatrist many years ago, wrote a book, Whatever Happened to Sin? And his, his thesis was this, that we explain away our behavior. We say it's a habit, it's heredity, it's just who I am. That's not what God says. We excuse our lack of control, our lack of passions. And we live in a society where where you and I know this is just getting worse. I think it started in the 60s when I was a little bitty baby. There was a Harvard professor, obviously he was an intelligent man, named Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary became a hippie dopehead. He said people need to tune in, drop out, and get high. And that kind of kicked off something that's never quite, we've never got past, and that's the idea, if it feels good, do it. But I want to tell you, if it feels good, do it. It didn't start with the hippies in the 60s. Felix understood that concept very well in the day of Jesus Christ. And what Christ says to you and me this morning, when are we going to get it together? When are we going to stop living in this self-control and righteousness go together by our standards and by our passions When are we going to make a decision to live a life controlled by God and conforming to his standards? When are we going to do it? Here's the third question that I promise is very relevant for many in this room today. When are you going to come back to God? That wasn't the question for Felix because Felix didn't know God, but many of you know God. The truth is, in this room today, there are people who are Christians. Some of you have been Christians for Two years, some of you many years, and you are not anywhere near where you used to be with Jesus Christ. But I know how it goes because I've been in those shoes. We say, you know what? I'm going to come back to God. I'm going to start living for God with my billfold, with my heart, with my feet, with my hands like I once did. 
I'm going to get back in church. I'm going to be the person of God that I used to be. I want to ask you this morning, when is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Here's the fourth thing that goes right along with that. When are you going to start serving Christ? We might put it in there, uh, when are you going to start serving him again? I know you're busy. I'm busy. I know you got a full plate. Certainly, certainly the, 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 the problem, the epidemic that we have today is we're too busy. But you know, if you're a Christian, you ought to be serving Christ. I told him in the first service, I said, you don't ever retire on Jesus. Some of them have retired on Jesus. Some of us have never got started with Jesus or we've, not, we, we've quit on him. And here's where some of us are living we're saying, man I, used to, man, I used to live for Christ. I used to serve Christ. I used to do this. I used to do that. And you know what? That's all fine and Jim dandy. But God is not looking at you today on what you used to do. God is looking at you and me on what we're doing today and what we're going to be doing tomorrow. When are we going to start serving Christ again? Here's the fifth thing. For many of us, this is a very relevant thing. When are you going to follow God's will and call on your life? Some of you this morning, you don't know what it is, but you know that God's, God's pulling on you. God has something for you. God's wanting you to do something. Some of you know what it is. My question is, when are you going to obey it? When are you going to follow him? This week as I prepared, I thought back to some, some people uh, many, many, many years before Rustin that I've known that were actually some of the most gifted ministers, people I've ever been around as far as they, some of them could sing, could lead worship, they were, they were talented, some of them worked very well with young people, were soul winners, and God had called them to, to a life of ministry. And they had said yes to it, but then they said yes, and then they uh, put on the brakes. And every now and then I would talk to them, and they would say, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to dive into ministry. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And 20-something years later, you know what? They still haven't done it. When are you going to obey God's will and his call on your life? And believe me, there will become a time when it's too late. But lastly, here's one for some in this room this morning. When are you going to give your life to Christ? Certainly, certainly that was, that was the thing Paul was aiming at here with Felix and Drusilla in verse 24. It says, Paul spoke to them about faith in Christ and he discoursed on righteousness, which begins at salvation, self-control, and the judgment to come. Paul was trying to tell Felix and Drusilla, it doesn't matter how much power, influence, money you have. She was a Jewish lady. It doesn't matter what your, your nationality or religion are. You've got to come to faith in Christ. When's it going to happen? Some of you are you're struggling with that. Maybe you've been baptized, you've joined a church, but you have not made that decision. Maybe you haven't done those things, but God's working on your heart, and the truth is you are planning on doing it at some point. When? In my second church, 
when I'd been there just a few months, a guy started coming to church. He was about my age. And after he'd been there four or five weeks, I was able to talk to him one day. I caught him after church, and I talked to him about becoming a Christian, about joining the church. Here's what he said. He said, I'm going to next week. Next week, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Next week, I'm going to join the church. Next week, next week, I'm going to do all that, and then I'll get baptized right after that. I wanted to put him in a headlock, call the deacons, drag him down front, make him pray, and then baptize him right then. But that's just not the way it works, is it? But I kept kind of pleading with him. I said, look, let's do it now. Let's do it now. No, I can't today, but next Sunday I'm going to make that decision. I promise you, in a small community, I never saw that guy again. Never, ever saw him again. Never saw him at church. Never saw him in the community. It's the weirdest thing in the world, and it still haunts me today. Next week, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Next week. When are you going to if you haven't? So let me bring you to this. Today is the day to act. When is the time to do these things? Next Sunday? No. Next month? No. Someone has rightly said yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is all that we have. I want you to read verse 25 with me. You may have read this a hundred times, but I'm telling you what is in here is, is scary. As Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Folks, the, the word afraid there means he was trembling. It, it, it means that, that he, was, he was terrified. It, this word is akin to our word phobia. And Roman leaders were notorious for being very stoic, very sophisticated, never showing emotion in public. But God started working on Felix's heart. And man, it's it so much so that he was shaking. God was pulling on his heart for him to respond to him so much so that he was visibly upset. But look what he says. That's enough for now. You may leave, and when I find it convenient, I'll call for you. That word convenient literally means when there's a better time, when there's another opportunity or chance, I'll make this decision. We're not going to read it, but verse 26 and 27 go on and talk about that, that shortly thereafter, he is basically fired by the Romans. We don't know much about him after this. We know his wife was killed uh, two decades later when the volcano exploded. But, but what we do know, at, at least from the Bible and from written history, there's never a record. Listen, there's never a record of him finding the convenient time. There's never a record of him coming to Christ. Folks, listen, he wasn't being mean. He wasn't being hateful. He wasn't cursing God. He just said, I'm going to do it. I'm just not going to do it right now. See if this resonates with you. He was more worried about his money and his politics and his influence and his power than about things that were going to matter for eternity. Now, I want to ask you this morning, when are you going to? 
when's the best time to start a diet? Tomorrow, <laughs> right? Monday, well, it's Monday. Well, Tuesday. When's the best time to decide on Christ and for these decisions? Years ago, I was in a revival. A little church, probably the back of it was where Greg and Carla are. So when that's the back, brother, there is nowhere to hide. There were about 30 people in the sanctuary. Six came forward and got saved that day. Man, it was a God was moving in that church. And, and on the very back row was a lady that everybody knew because everybody knew everybody. And everybody knew she wasn't a Christian. And I wasn't the preacher. I, I mean, I wasn't the one speaking. I was the pastor, but there was an evangelist doing it and doing a great job. And as the invitation went on for about 20 minutes, and 20 minutes is a long time for an invitation to go on in a little church. She was holding on to that pew, and I think she was about to tear it off the, the floor. She was crying. She was shaking. Several people went back there to talk to her, to encourage her to follow Christ. She wouldn't do it. Do I know she was under conviction? Good grief, yes, God was pulling on her heart. But she left that day, and as far as I know, many years later, I don't think she's ever come to Christ. She probably told herself, not today, not today. So when are you going to come to Christ or come back to Christ? When are you going to start serving like you once did? When are you going to get it right with that other person after they die? When are you going to follow God's call and God's will for your life? I know, I know, tomorrow, when, when this is in place or this is in place. Folks, the time to respond to God is today. There's an old fable, an old legend told about Satan. About thousands of years ago when Satan and his demons were trying to figure out a way to keep us from God. And they had a meeting. And the devil said, I want you to come up with the best ideas, the best plans that we can have to derail the humans. So one demon came forward and he said, I will go to earth and I will tell people there is no God. And Satan said, you know, I like that strategy, but it won't work. I mean, people, intelligent people can look around and think somebody created this. Another demon came forward and said, I'll tell him there's no heaven. And the devil said, you know, I hate there is a heaven, but the truth is people need hope. They're going to believe in heaven. Another said, I'll tell him there is no hell. And the devil said, well, if there's a heaven, there's got to be a hell. And one demon came forward and said, I think I may have the idea. I'll go, I'll go to earth and I'll tell them everything they hear about God in the Bible and from the Bible is true. And that they need to act on it tomorrow. Just to wait. And Satan supposedly said, that's our plan. When are you going to do what God's leading you to do? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, 
Many of you know what you need to do. Today's the day. This hour's the hour. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, the time to get that right is right now. Would you pray with me where you're seated? If you're sincere and you're ready, and would you just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart today. And this morning, I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just a second, we're going to stand. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I want to say this again. The time to act is today. You just prayed and asked Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that. I want to encourage you to do something. I know it's hard, but when we stand, would you come today, talk to one of these ministers? Would you do business with God today? Would you leave here assured that you belong to Christ? Would you do that? Maybe you'd like to join the church. One way, it's not the only way, but one way you can join today. You can catch a minister after church. We can help you with that. Or you can come when we stand. You can come. There'll be ministers down here. And you can join our church today. God's leading some of you to do that. Do it this morning. Others of you are Christians. And that voice in your heart is saying, come back to God. Serve God. Follow His will, His plan. Be who God's called you to be. The time to decide. Maybe it's just where you're standing praying. Maybe it's at the altar, on your knees, or face before God. Or maybe it's with praying with a minister. But make that decision right now. Let's stand as God leads you.